Welcome once again to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is Ben L. And per usual, my co-host... Andrew Err. Yep, <laughs> that's me. And so, you know what? I'm going to tell you from the top, guys. I usually watch the shit that we review, <laughs> that we go over. I haven't watched this one, and Ben knows it. <laughs> but I just couldn't bring myself to it, Ben. I'm, I'm going to say I'm sorry from the top. I did tell you, though, that it wouldn't be the end of the world because this is the <laughs> early version of it, of Superman 3. So, yes, we are gradually making our way through the Superman films with Superman 3, but not the one that was released. So, you're kind of off the hook on this one, because I told you. <laughs> and also, I can't blame you, because I I had first seen it as a kid, and I, I remember, like, maybe two or three scenes. I won't give away what they are. But when I was re-watching it recently as an adult, just being like, all right, let, let's see what it is, I was like, my God. Everything that I have against, any issues I might have had against Superman Returns and Man of Steel are forgiven. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you, man. I mean, not that I've seen it, but from what I've heard, I just can't bring... I have so many hours in my life left, you know? Like, I cannot spend... Well, I know you watched it. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm sorry you had to watch it. Hopefully you got something good out of it. Comment below if you want to do Superman 3 coverage. Comment if, of if you yell at me for not watching it, if, <laughs> if you want. Uh, so, in our last Superman deep dive, we did cover the original versions of Superman 1 and 2, so now we're going to do the original version of Superman 3. Original Superman 1 and 2 was done by Mario Puzo, as we covered in a two-parter, 200-page script. I wanted to share, first off, Joey at w.media on Instagram did share with us his fan art of Mario Puzo Superman. So at the top, we nice. Got, yeah, we got the uh, the Godfather font that says Mario Puzo's Superman. We've also got Clark Kent saving the Pope, and Joey. I love this. Joey added that he's wearing a shirt that says "I heart the Pope" <laughs> on it. And uh, the second one is Lois punching Clark after Clark loses his powers, complete with the deer head in the background because uh-huh. Puzo Superman is a taxidermist in in uh, that script. And He's then, a manly uh, man. <laughs> at the bottom is is Superman serving the drugged wine to uh, Lois, who knows that it's drugged, that will wipe out her memory as well as Jimmy Olsen and Steve Lombard of ever knowing his identity. So, you're you going know... to shoot a deer, <laughs> a poor defenseless little deer. That's um, I, dude. I cannot do a New York accent, but that's Marissa Tomei as this Lois Lane. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this art is based on. W. Media, mm-hmm. listening to our episode yep. on this script. Yes. Okay. Uh, on awesome. The Puzo script on the Puzo script that we covered. So thank you, uh, Joey, for that. So check out the Puzo script. It is in our channel. We'll probably link the uh, the script for uh, not the script. Uh, well, the script, but also the episode for that. But uh, moving further into Superman three. So. Uh, Superman 3, the early version that we're going over, is written not by Tom Mankiewicz or Mario Puzo or any of the screenwriters, but actually by Ilya Salkine, the producer of the Superman movies. Uh, That's that's, that's where we went wrong here. (laughs) Yes, partially. From Uh, the jump. However, he is not responsible for the final version that made it into Superman 3, which was written by... David and Leslie Newman, who were part of the writing team on Superman 1 and 2 in revising Puzo's work. So they did carry on the same writers from before, but it wasn't Tom Mankiewicz, because Mankiewicz was Donner's guy, and Donner was not in the game anymore. 
uh, due to not getting <laughs> along with the Salkine. So uh, it is Superman without Donner and Mankiewicz, and you feel the absence of Tom Mankiewicz in Superman 3. No offense to the Newmans, but Jesus. Uh, right, but right. anyway, uh, Salkine writes the first treatment for this in November, uh, November 7th, 1980, which is the same, you know, pretty much a few months after um, Superman 2, I believe. I could be wrong on the release date on that. I'll look that up after after the break, actually. Um, but it's it's the same year that Superman 2 is released that he writes this, and it is revised the following March on March 27th, 1981. Um, and so we're going to go through it. It is only eight pages, but there is plenty to go over in this. And uh, This we'll whole episode is based on eight pages? <laughs> it is, but you know how we're like. We're going to expand this... <laughs> So you're saying I can do a, like a billion tangents this episode? Yes. Thank fucking God. I'm tired of holding back. So let's go into it. Let's. Uh, so I'm going to read it off, and you can chime in whenever. <laughs> okay. Oh God. Stretch only, my powers. We here. only have four pages uh, for the first half of this this episode to go through. So. Well, it's no problem. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, the story could start with a pre-title sequence showing Clark learning that Lois Lane has asked to be transferred as a correspondent to one of the co- foreign offices associated with the Daily Planet. Parentheses, Hong Kong, maybe? So, yeah, <laughs> okay. this image is Margot Kidder in Superman 3. Uh, there is a sort of a backstory to this. Let's stop for a second, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tangent myself before you <laughs> on this. Actually. Wow, awesome. I love it already. Yes, uh, Lois Lane... Uh, spoilers, everyone, for Superman 3. Lois Lane is in about five minutes Superman 3. Okay. Margot first Kidder, mistake. Yeah, Margot Kidder is barely in it, and when she does show up, she's in a bad spray tan, as you can see. I don't know what they were thinking in the makeup department. <laughs> uh, she was flying to... too much, too close to the sun with <laughs> She's soups. supposed to, yeah, have an assignment in Bermuda, so I guess they're just like, yeah, it'd be fun, if, but yeah, she just does not look great in that tan. And, it's wind, uh, wind burn. Yeah. But, from flying. Uh, yeah, we, we can already see the idea of them writing out Lois Lane in the treatment. So what's the story behind that? There's conflicting stories on this when I was looking into it. According to Soundkind, he just felt Lois's story was done in Superman 2. And to be fair, in the comics, Superman did have other love interests. Lois Lane is the most famous, but there are a bunch of other uh, love interests in the, the comics, especially the Silver Age, which I'll go into a little later on. In this episode. You know what? That's I never thought true. about that because everybody's always like, you know, it's, it, Superman has that kind of conservative, yeah, streak to him for better or worse, and that means only one girl, mm-hmm. well, except for the high school one, of course. But yeah, Lana. You know, after yeah, after Lana. But I mean, you know, I can, yeah, I never thought about that, but yeah, I guess so. I guess we'll learn all together, won't we? Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> That is, that is one possibility. According to Margot Kidder herself, she says in the You Will Believe, the cinematic saga of Superman documentary, she was a vocal supporter of Richard Donner. Naturally, you know, he was the guy who made her Lois Lane, the director of the previous film, who got fired and replaced by Richard Lester on Superman 2. Uh, and she felt she was the one punished as a result of her support for the original director. So oh that's her story. Oh, my God. And so she, she knew all all along who the better guy was. Yeah. No offense to Lester. (laughs) Right. And Lester (laughs) comes back as the director for this one. So anyway, Soundkind is already writing out Lois Lane uh, and has in the, in the movie, at least Margot Kidder shows up 
in the treatment, Lois is not even in it. She writes a letter to Clark. She has no scenes. So <laughs> we got to get that broad out of here. <laughs> says Clark learns this from a letter from her where she tells him that she cannot go on living in Metropolis, constantly being in contact with Superman, and as he is the love of her life, she cannot stand the emotional pressure and prefers to forget as much as possible by moving away. Uh, God, everybody would have hated this. Yeah, uh, at the like, same time. <laughs> like, we, she just writes a letter off screen and she's not there anymore. Nope. I mean, okay, all right. Yeah, she sends her love to Clark as a friend. It says in parentheses this could be done using lois's voice aka if we really want to pay margot kidder uh or he could read it so we can save money <laughs> no no he doesn't he doesn't say that part yeah. <laughs> we could just have reeves read it read this shit <laughs> so it says this leaves clark obviously very distraught and as we all know he is superman slash clark who loves lois we introduce again Perry White and Jimmy, who try to cheer Clark up. They would be telling him a bit more why she was so fed up. Uh, we could possibly, at this point, introduce Lana Lang as the new star reporter at the Daily Planet. Uh, now, Lana I just got to was... say right now, this also Go got me thinking, man. Like, we were talking about on the Patreon, too. Like, uh, <laughs> Marvel's kind of kept it together for like 28 movies now, whatever the fuck it is. Like, mm. there's been some shitty ones, but kind of mostly all right all right to great right superman we get two good ones <laughs> <laughs> one really good one 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 all right one and then completely tanks and the third one <laughs> like well, this is how this is how it was back in the day man and with I, ba- I, well, I, I guess i guess batman forever didn't tank the su- franchise but the fourth one did so like we went from like two we had, we got like two or three good ones back in the day yeah. Before an entire thing fucking tanked, dude. So, like, it's just, like, you compare that to now with Marvel's, like, 28 movies. To be it's fair, just, we've come a long Marvel, way. Marvel wasn't even having any movies at this point. And when they did try, it was Howard the Duck. It was, you know, it was Captain America, the the one with, um, the one in oh. the 90s. It was, was that the, the theater? Corman Fantastic Four. Like, I don't... I think it might have been. I'll have to look it up. Uh, it's been a while. I saw that in, in uh, I saw that on TV at one point. Widely regarded as one of the worst superhero movies of all time. They were constantly cranking out the worst oh, ones pretty much until Blade. That's what it sounded there was, like. There was some VHS I had. I don't remember what it was, but it had the preview to the Fantastic Four movie. The shitty oh. one. <laughs> the, and I thought that movie the was Corman coming one? out. It, yeah, the Corman one, and I remember even as a kid, oh I would like when they show the thing, he's just like raw, <laughs> like it just looks so dumb, and mm-hmm. <laughs> even by the standards of that day, and I I was wanted to see it though I remember because we were so starved for that thing that kind of thing at the time, but it I didn't know until the internet, you know I saw this preview pre-internet, like it I remember it being played like this movie was definitely coming out and then it never mm-hmm. does, but. Uh, anyway, back to the main point. Uh, you know, whether the whatever Marvel was releasing at that time, at this time, with Superman three, etc. It's just the, I don't know. Over, we all know this, I guess, in this podcast. But it's just crazy to think about how far things have come. How far we've come. Yeah. As far as as far as holding on, holding on to the fire, holding on to quality mm-hmm. for sustained yeah. period of time. Also, for the record, I would. Uh, Definitely the Schumacher Batman movies over Superman 3. 
people shit on Batman and Robin, <laughs> but I'm just like, I will, I will gladly rewatch Batman and Robin ten times before I have to watch Superman three again. You'll die. You'll die on that hill. <laughs> I will die on that hill. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm picturing here, this is Lana Lang in Superman 3. This is Annette O'Toole as Lana Lang, one of the few high points of the movie. Um, and uh, <laughs> she is uh, Clark's crush in the, as established in Superman 78. And uh, as part of the uh, regular comics as well, she was basically the equivalent to Lois Lane back when Superman was Superboy. However, it seems like Soundkind might have forgotten that Lana was in the first one because it says that, uh, you know, it basically says that Lana is introduced to him as the new star reporter there. And we see Clark being quite impressed with Lana Lang and they immediately take a liking to each other. Cut to credits. That's all it says. No hint about any of their backstory. Probably because Soundkind forgot. Um, well, this is his first. Little... This is only like eight pages, though, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, this is also his first I guess. Pass. This is a first pass. pass. This is probably like the second. I mean, we're we might make fun of him a bit in this podcast, but Mm -hmm. like he was, he just wrote this fucking eight pages down in like an hour. This is probably what this is, you know. I don't know. Binge. This is his (laughs) coke binge. One Uh, nothing like uh, Stephen King's though. Exactly. The rain. The reigning king. So we can't all. We can't all be writing Cujo like that. Parentheses, the parentheses next to his name actually says facts to be checked with DC Comics, as in, like, let's make sure we're staying true to the comics here. Because, again, oh, that's th- nice. This is 1981, March 1981. He does not have the internet to just look up and just like, okay, what's the name of Clark's sweetheart in high school? Yeah, let's use that. Like, he, he, at best, maybe he can go to a, go find the comics at the DC office, you know, but. It's, it's just not a matter of researching this stuff in a matter of seconds like we can do today. So right, that's, that right. could be an explanation. So uh, next page, this, things are going to get more interesting. Immediately after the credits, we end up explaining how at the time of the explosion of Krypton, there was another survivor, Supergirl. Okay. So here's, here's one of the big reasons why I fast-tracked this episode before we do even more coverage on Superman 2 is that Supergirl... The first attempt at bringing Supergirl to the big screen was not just the 1984 Supergirl film that we're showing here, starring Helen Slater, uh, but it was Superman 3 before they did that Supergirl movie. Uh, And Supergirl obviously is becoming a bigger and bigger star, or is going to be, on the big screen if all the plans uh, continue. We're going to see the Sasha Kaye version in The Flash this summer, and they've announced Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, an adaptation of the, the Tom King comic. Exactly. And, you know, not the worst thing in the world. You had two good ones and just like, mm-hmm. switch it up. And they didn't know how bad the third one was going to be just yet. So, right. I mean, by the third one, yeah, introduce Supergirl. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, we then establish her escape from Krypton in accordance with the comics legend, a.k.a. I don't know what it is, but we'll just follow whatever it's there. <laughs> this is, what I, is how I translate that. Uh, and we show her landing on Brainiac's planet. So Brainiac. Oh shit! Is They've the been trying to make Brainiacs and work and live act in the big screen. Yeah, since 1981. God damn, dude. Indeed, yeah. Uh, it says a younger Brainiac will find her in the equivalent of the wheat field in the first film. However, the whole sequence should be the total opposite to the Kent landing. So instead of seeing, you know, Clark land or Cal El land his ship in the wheat fields of of Smallville, Kansas, and get found by Glenn Ford and Phyllis Laxter. Instead, she lands in what's described as the planet being all black and sinister, Brainiac's suit being utterly black, 
the whole look being totally pessimistic. And uh, Brainiac oh is God. essentially the one who raises Supergirl in this. Uh, so it says Brainiac oh, finds really? the baby. Yeah. Okay. So we create an interesting dynamic here. Uh, Brainiac finds the baby girl and takes her home. We then follow with various sequences of her growing up. We see that she has superpowers, and we understand clearly that Brainiac is getting very affectionate, primarily as a father, but as she gets older into adolescent, his affection is of a man in love. This is where things get a little Got to change that on the very next pass there, <laughs> Salkind. Uh, don't know why you did it in the first pass, but... Depends on what version right. of Brainiac you're going with. If it's a... I mean, it's probably not likely a robot if he's but they're n- falling in love, but... You know what? Look, they're not related. It's not incest, but it's still off. It's still off, it's still dude. off. It's still not right. Uh, <laughs> so find out what's coming next. So... Uh, oh, my God, dude. What is going on? Why did... Salkind's <laughs> not with us anymore, correct? Uh, Hold on, real quick. We're going to be checking it. Let right me, now. Let me check that. I, I think you're right, but let me just double check. So Not that it matters a whole lot, but like... You no, know. He's, still here. he's still here. He's still with us. He's still with us. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope it's, it's, it's all father. this makes it's it to him. with us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> Please come to our show. I'm just... Honestly, <laughs> if if one of the Saul kinds wants to come on this show, I would fucking love it. <laughs> and look, this is probably some bullshit you wrote on a Coke binge, so... <laughs> <laughs> whatever man so we're gonna make fun of that we're not making we're not no ad hominems too much not too much yeah. anyway <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah that's not good <laughs> so i don't like it well no sir i don't like it uh, unfortunately there's more uh a sequence <laughs> follows where we see brainiac affected by supergirls befriending others etc which leads to her rejecting his marriage proposal so brainiac proposes marriage to Supergirl. Oh my god, dude. This is like the grooming central over here. This is ridiculous. As the tension becomes greater, she decides to run away and by destiny lands in the little city in the USA. Here we leave to find the explanation of why she takes on a secret identity when she becomes one of the inhabitants of, and then he puts in parentheses, I guess, uh, Girlsville. (laughs) It's not Smallville (laughs) as the possible place. Girlsville! We're going to put this broad in (laughs) vagina town. I don't know. (laughs) Period city. (laughs) Yeah. I I think Uh, what he was going for was Midvale. Midvale, I think, is the small town where Supergirl was. No, I think he got exactly what he was going for. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. (laughs) Just telling you the comic book equivalent. (laughs) Target target lock on that one. (laughs) That was his intention, man. Oh so, my god, dude! What's with all these people, man? I guess <laughs> we just we just progressed like kind of a long way since then. We feel like we haven't, but we have. We have, yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, let's just say it's Midville. Uh, she gets adopted by locals and becomes a gym teacher at the local school. Here again, in accordance with comics legend, it says. Uh, her exceptional Kryptonian powers make her easily assimilate Earth's ways. During this period, we cut to Brainiac looking for her all over the universe using his remarkable tech- technical genius. Concurrently, we also see Superman doing one or two of his feats. Sooner or later, Supergirl will reveal her powers by solving a local threat, which will make her known to Superman and the world. We will. See I gotta Superman's- say, go ahead. Real, real quick pinpoint here, Brainiac. Yeah adopting supergirl let's say at, she witnesses the destruction of krypton she's mm-hmm. 
the thing is, like, she probably wouldn't be a baby generally, right? Because she's supposed to be a little bit older. She's like 14, she's 15. Like teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever she sees everybody die around her. So, like, mm-hmm. and it's at the, you know, like, Brainiac does that to Krypton. So, and then him taking her as prisoner and, like, thinking of her as his daughter or some sort of pet. There's maybe some way you could tweak that to make that work for another story. Like there's mm-hmm. kernels of, there's kernels of goodness here. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I think so. That could be, you know, they, when they brought Supergirl into the post-crisis continuity in the, um, the one that got turned into Superman, Batman apocalypse, uh, the movie, yeah. it's at one point dark side sort of, uh, takes Kara under his wings and, and turns her into, uh, one of the furies. And so like, that's okay. kind of a, that's kind of an idea that that went forward at some point into something with the villains sort of kind of taking Supergirl and corrupting her uh, in a bit. So something like that could uh, could have been really cool, uh, just without the love triangle type of type I of think aspect. With this though, there is a little bit of uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate to my own shit for a second, mm-hmm. just to bring up another point. I, I just thought of this, uh, like I remember a uh, 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 girl friend of mine a friend that is a girl uh told me once that she kind of didn't like uh jessica jones's villain the purple man in the movie mm-hmm. in the show did you ever see it uh i've seen jessica I've jones seen netflix and i know i know the purple man david Tennant. okay so like she thought it was just like this is just her this is just her but she thought it was too relationshipy and it's like every every oh, like every girl kind of character has to have like this kind of like evil, evil boyfriend, yeah. yeah, kind of thing, and she was like, no other male hero has had that, so why her, you know? So like, not again, just it was just her thinking, but I thought that was interesting. So maybe my brainiac idea spawned from Salkines is maybe a little bit too, I don't know. I'm just well, trying to think of all the all the like holes the, in it. Not if he's just like the corrupt father figure type of thing, you know? Then it's not. If he's a corrupt father figure, yeah, that's true. That's true. So. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. So Superman, we will see Superman's reaction when he learns about this new superhero in from the media. He is obviously puzzled and needs to know more about her. So uh, we were showing the comic image of the Supergirl from Krypton as uh, Superman meets Supergirl for the first time uh, in the Silver Age comics. <laughs> Look He's again, in- Superman. It's me, <laughs> Supergirl. And I'm real. So I'll read off what Superman says. Great guns. I seem to see a youngster flying, dressed in a super costume. It, uh, it, it says, uh, it, uh, mm. must be an illusion. <laughs> I'm real. Uh, so here's how Superman decides to meet Supergirl in the Salkine treatment. Uh, so to meet her, he poses as a petty criminal to see how she will react and to see basically whether she is good or evil. Uh, she, of course, <laughs> immediately comes to the rescue and finds him out. I, so I'm guessing what happens is he poses as a petty criminal who's in danger, and he wants to test whether or not she's going to let him live or die, which this feels very silver agey. It seems hard to buy seeing Christopher Reeve as Superman in disguise as a criminal <laughs> to test Superman, but it feels like something out of a silver age comic. I mean, you know, that's just how it was at the time. I mean, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't. I think when we read comics now, we all we, we like immediately think, "What would this be like as a movie?" You know, <laughs> yeah. so it's just fucking. Yeah. As we read it, we're trying to see a movie, but I don't. I mean, they probably thought about like the implications of it being real or not. I guess, and and mm-hmm. like they like the George Reeve 
you know, Reeves, right? George Reeves. George Reeves. Yeah. Yes, Reeves. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, they probably saw that. Maybe this was even before that. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I forgot my point. Continue, Ben. On Supergirl. Okay. Well, we're gonna love this. Uh, <laughs> it says, uh, okay, so she comes to the rescue, finds him out, and says, "Quote: The look between the two will tell the audience that they have magically fallen in love." There is. Were they the, cut? Were they cousins at this point, though? Oh, this is all kinds thing. There is the conversation trying to find out if they are related. They are not, it says. So this is the big thing. Superman's uh, love interest in Superman 3, the original treatment, is Supergirl, who is not Kara zor his cousin, in this treatment. Okay. So this goes way back. So for anyone who came to us, this is a deep cut for our, this podcast. There was an advertisement we did on Ryan Sickler's Honeydew podcast back in 2020. I wrote the ad. And I teased in it that we were going to cover things like a Batman musical, which we did, but also, quote, the time that Superman dated, seemed to basically seemingly dated his cousin. Three years later, we are covering that now in this episode. We make good <laughs> on our promises, dude. By the yeah. way, we we spent good money on that, on that ad, and mm. I think we got like one person. <laughs> like, if you came from that, if you came over to our podcast from that ad, please let us know and please be truthful. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember getting one comment of somebody saying they were they found us out through there. Yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> it just it just goes listening. to sh- <laughs> it goes to show you you have to advertise in your world because mm-hmm. Ryan Sickler he's a cool dude. I know him well. Yeah, I know him. He's an acquaintance. We're not friends, but he does this podcast called the Honeydew Podcast. You might know it. He used to do it called it used to be called the Crab Feast, and he changed. Uh, he changed names, but yeah, he, you know, we paid him some money to put an ad on his, on his podcast like years ago. And it just, you know, it was nice of him and let us do it and everything, but it was just not the <laughs> environment not the for most. it. It wasn't, it wasn't a nerd podcast. Ryan Sickler's a stand up comedian, mm-hmm. you know, he's like a, you know, he's like a Rogan type, or well, he's not like Rogan, but you know, he's stand-up comedian. He's comedian interviewing comedians, basically for that podcast. Yes, and, and we yes. we do have comedy, but it's very specific <laughs> type of comedy, very specific. Yeah, comedy. so yeah, we would have to advertise yeah. on Kevin Smith's podcast or something. Yeah, to to really, that's actually a good idea, Ben. We need to get on that. <laughs> Let's see if we. I've never heard another podcast. We we might need some more money for that one. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> Come to our Patreon and help us out for that. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully that one person who came over from Honeydew is still listening and is like, finally, I found the episode where they cover this. Yes, so, yes, finally. Uh, yeah, I think it's obvious. Salkine did not know that Supergirl was Superman's cousin. Again, before the internet, he could not look this up in a matter of seconds. Could have maybe gone to the DC office just to check, but, you know, to his credit... Uh, Supergirl in this is never given the name Kara, is never identified as Superman's cousin, and is in fact identified as not being related to him at all. Uh, And it's best to interpret the rest of what we're talking about as her being a Kryptonian love interest who happens to have the mantle of Supergirl. However, just for shits and giggles, I wondered, like, okay, who could the replacement character be? Because I just don't see this happening. Or if it does, it, like, completely changes the perception of Supergirl for the rest of the public of all time. She's a love interest to Superman in this. But let's yes, say yes. Salkine goes to the DC offices, is just like, oh, fuck, she's his cousin. We got to change that, but I still want like a super-powered love interest. 
So right. I looked this up. There are two possibilities. One is Luma Lanai, or Lanai. She is the superwoman from the story Superman's Super Courtship in Action Comics number 289 in 1962, co-created by Jerry Siegel, uh, served as a love interest to Superman in that issue, has superpowers, uh, even has the LL initials. Uh, she is not <laughs> Kryptonian, though, in this comic, but she's another alien. Uh, she comes from the planet Starl, and uh, the relationship doesn't work out because she her weakness is the Earth's yellow sun. So obviously they have to part ways <laughs> at that point. Where, uh, where does she really go? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Back to her planet? Back to her Star planet's Roll. not blown up? I don't think Star her planet's blown up. Starl. Uh, S-T-A-R-Y-L. <laughs> Which okay. pronunciation-wise is too close to Starro, but... Uh, that's that's one possibility if they were to make a Kryptonian and not allergic to the uh, the yellow sun. Uh, but another possibility is Lila Laryl, again with the L's here. Uh, but she first appeared in the newspaper strip of Superman in 1960, uh, but was incorporated in the comics in Superman 141, again, co-created by Jerry Siegel. Uh, and Superman meets her when he accidentally travels in time to when Krypton was still around. So she is Kryptonian, unlike Luma. Uh, Lila... Okay however, is most famous because she was in Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' story for The Man Who Has Everything. When Superman oh, is under the black mercy, he fantasizes about being married to Lila Laryl in that story. Oh, right, so, right, right. Uh, I think the solution here is just pretend that we're talking about some combination of Lila Laryl slash Superwoman as the character when we refer to Supergirl in this to remove the uh, incestuous feeling of the rest of this treatment because it does feel, it just feels off throughout. So we've got grooming with Brainiac and we've got incest with Superman and Supergirl. Great. At first glance. Saul Kine is killing it. It's still better than the final movie. So going through. <laughs> that, oh my God, dude, it's that bad. <laughs> I got to look at the Rotten Tomatoes score of this shit right now. So, uh, there's an idyllic sequence of Superman and Supergirl climbing up the seventh heaven. We shall have to find some beautiful place either on Earth or elsewhere like the Milky Way. Oh, man. 30%. Not surprised. That is the critic score. The audience score is even lower than critics. Oh 23%. <laughs> Jesus. I, I, if I'm going to say a couple good things about Superman 3, it's Lana Lang. And uh, Christopher Reeve, as always, is is great in it. Uh, he's given even more stuff to show his rage, a sort of third persona, third or fourth persona, to uh, show his acting chops. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, that's that's what makes it worth worth it. But yeah, even even when you see the documentaries too on this, like the people behind Superman three don't even like Superman three. <laughs> They're just like, we messed up here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Schumacher. We kind of got lucky. Yeah. Uh, so, leaving them in their bliss, we move to Brainiac arriving on Earth. This is the image from the Superman 78 comic. Uh, he immediately transforms stones into gold and diamonds to have wealth and power on Earth. We then see Brainiac establish his headquarters in a historical European castle. This is kind of interesting. I'm not really sure why okay. a castle, but it, I think it's just because Salkine just thinks it'll be cool to shoot in the castle. Uh, Didn't they have, like, inside of a fucking volcano in the other one? Other... Wasn't there some sort of volcano thing? In the Superman movies? Yeah, right? Or no? Am I wrong? It might have been the fourth one. Anyway. I remember hearing about some volcano that they couldn't shoot in. They had to change because it was it was uh, 
too expensive to shoot a fucking volcano or, or maybe, something. Oh, you know what? There was a volcano in the uh, Superman draft that we went over, uh, Superman 78, back you know a few years ago when we were going over the drafts post-Puzo, pre-Mankiewicz. The shit I, I remember. Was, there was volcano. So you actually you remembered this one more than I did because I, I don't remember <laughs> the volcano until you said it. And I'm like, wait, I think yeah. there was a volcano sequence. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right. Yeah. So anyway, there's, there's a European castle in this one. Uh, it says, we see him setting up his weaponry, which is highly sophisticated. Through his ESP, he finds out about Supergirl, what she is doing, where she is, etc. Naturally, during these endeavors, he also finds out about Superman, his strength, and more so, his love for Supergirl, and that the same love is reciprocated. Brainiac's purpose from then on is to create a machine which will affect Superman's personality. Parentheses, this will have to be carefully explained for the children, and will have to show Brainiac moving various buttons and somehow showing how each button will make Superman either violent, melancholic, or sarcastically funny. This is the DNA from the treatment that makes it into the final movie. In the final movie, Superman is exposed to a certain type of kryptonite, sort of synthetic kryptonite. It's basically like red kryptonite, though, that basically turns him into a super dick throughout the uh, (laughs) middle of the movie. And that's where Christopher Reeve gets to have some fun as this specific version of, of Superman. And it seems like that was the idea from the beginning. And this sort of idea of, you know, him becoming his darker self kind of gets reflected again in, in, in some ways in the Spider-Man trilogy from Raimi, where they kind of followed the overall structure of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. If you think about it, the first one's an origin story. Second one, there's the temptation to have an ordinary life and losing the powers. And then the third one is confronting the, the evil personality self except in superman 3 that it's not that he's dancing it's more that he's uh, he's just fucking with everybody like at one point he makes the leaning tower of pisa stand right up so like that's right shit. um which, you know what's another you... another example we had we had two good spider-man movies and they <laughs> fucking destroy it in the third one pretty much it's you know so it's in superman 3 <laughs> that's true i guess but like they just couldn't Again, it's amazing what the MCU has done. 28 movies, whatever it is. Yeah. So this DNA leads into Super Dick being created. Uh, So Salkine says, these ideas can obviously be changed, but we'll show that Superman will become totally unpredictable in Brainiac's hands. Parentheses. Obviously, Clark Kent will also be affected by these same reactions alternatively, i.e. Clark Kent slaps Perry White when asked to correct one of his own articles, which would be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) that would have been Uh, awesome actually that would have been yeah uh when we leave brainiac we go to superman and supergirl involved in some sort of feat together blissfully in love suddenly and totally unexpectedly superman becomes violent and starts to destroy everything they are trying to save in different ways this will happen and be repeated at different times this of course will make supergirl think panic with disbelief that this is not the superman she knew she obviously tries to everything to play along with Superman's total unpredictable moments. Her resistance, of course, weakens, and at that moment, we have intercuts showing the world totally bewildered by the actions of this now very strange Superman. There is the tension building up that everyone wants Supergirl to get rid of Superman, as she's the only one with enough strength to do it. So that sets okay. up a conflict. It's going to be Superman versus Supergirl for the rest of this, uh, or for at least another sequence. And uh, with that, I think it's a good time for us to take a little break. All right, everybody. So this month's uh, charity that we are trying to support here on this here podcast is the Christopher Reeve 
Foundation, is that what it's called, Ben? Mm -hmm. uh, full name is the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, but yes, we couldn't be superhero stuff you should know without at least asking people to donate to the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. This is the work that Reeve was doing in the last years of his life as the real-life Superman to help find cures for those living with paralysis so you can help them change them, uh, their lives and the lives of millions at ChristopherReeve.org. Also, I might add a good reminder that it's Reeve and not Reeves uh, when you type it in. You type in ChristopherReeves.org, you're not going to find this. So it's ChristopherReeve.org. Donate what you can and be a Superman or Superwoman. One, one singular Reeve, everybody. And, you <laughs> yes. know, we, a lot of hero worship from us and everybody that watches and listens to this show. And uh, it just kind of feels like it's time to put your money where your mouth is kind of a little bit. I mean, if you can, of course, but uh, this is uh, a way to be inspired by comics, I think, personally, So, and about from heroes themselves. So, uh, yeah, if you could donate, that'd be great. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about Japanese to English translation in this first season. It will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general, Japanese cultural differences as well. And we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly, a.k.a. EGM. So stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast. It's already out now, y'all. I wanted to tell you about the Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash SuperHeroStuffPod. And on that, you get the $1 tier. Uh, you can join the $1 tier, which gets you the shout-out on the board, and either visually or orally, or both, at times. Uh, <laughs> we want to do the oral, uh, for the most part, uh, for newer people. Uh, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole new show. Uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And... Um, <laughs> The uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can, if you want, binge us for five mm -hmm. bucks. And uh, it's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can, uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well. So mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so... Um, mm -hmm. So, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above. Plus, a uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly. And it's like a Zoom-like call. And we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that. And that's at the $10 tier. Um, every tier that you get, like the $5 tier, gets you the $1 tier benefits and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So mm -hmm. check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble.com and on Threadless, superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower, curtains and all the rest artwork by Stephen Santa Cruz. 
And please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. Mm-hmm. You too can be part of the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives as my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also thunderwolfdrew.com. has my whole portfolio in one place except for amanorecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. And... That is uh, an original idea that some friends and I are doing where it is R-rated um, Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch, and it is not a fan film, original idea. We have a pitch video right now on YouTube and on the Indiegogo page. We're campaigning right now as of this, uh, when this episode premieres. And this poster art is by ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. And check it out. Please support us on the campaign. And more from that soon. Um, but yes, it's, uh, it's bloody. And um, if you like that kind of thing, check us out. And that's it. Ben. Follow us on social media on Twitter at SuperHousePod, Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, where we have some different supplemental stuff. We even, I've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the Keaton ornament from the Flash is in, so you can check that out on our Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, uh, TikTok Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is BenWanWriter.com, where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts, including Gotham Vampire Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes. And curb your enthusiasm, Disneyland. If you're fans of any of those shows, check them out and let us know what you think. My YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the Eighth Doctor, meaning Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. If you like cats, my son Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent and you can even check out another page on that website superherostuffpod.com slash show notes that includes uh various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superherostuffpod.com slash show notes lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash SuperheroStuffPod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Charles Edward Cheese. And we're back to talk about Supergirl versus Super Dick. As we're going to continue the <laughs> Superman 3 treatment. Uh, as we're going Super penis. The... <laughs> well, that, not that type of dick, but considering that there's a love oh, story okay. with them, maybe it'll happen at some point. <laughs> <laughs> vibration. Like the flash. Uh, yeah. Giant red vibrator. It's who Barry is. But yeah, in this, uh, I'm going to read off the next sequence. So we got we've set up with Supergirl versus Superman, and it says at this critical moment, Brainiac 
appears in front of Supergirl. Oh, shit. Hold on a second. We forgot. Oh, we got to fix the thing. Sorry. Can we talk through this or what? Yeah. Well, you see, we'll... Ben has messed up the slides, and <laughs> we're going to see if we can just keep on going without making any edits. It's a message for you guys to donate this is to the a... Reed Foundation. So... Yes, indeed. Not so subtle. So this is Injustice, correct? This is Injustice this is with injustice Brainiac. image, because I asked Dan to show us an image of Supergirl versus Brainiac. So... This Naturally. is so colorful. Is I love this picture, Dan. This is great. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the, I've I've played this, of course, but I've there's like a billion costumes you can get. Uh, real quick, they're supposedly going straight to Mortal Kombat 12. We're not going to get an injustice, another one. I think they're that franchise is on is on hold for the moment. Maybe they're waiting for James Gunn to figure shit out. I don't know. Maybe. I mean it. They could just make it in Elseworlds, you know? Like, I get that they're trying to just do this whole synergy thing where everything is in the same universe, but there's yes. still Elseworlds stuff with, like, existing properties. They're still going to have Teen Titans go, you know, as in the Elseworlds. Oh, that's true. Because it's not tied in with the DCU, obviously. So, I don't know. It'd be It's a popular game. It'd be weird if they were just like, no, we're never going to go back to it. Um, but maybe they are on the hold just to see if they could do some Injustice variation of the DCU. Who knows? I... I just wondered if the sales for Injustice 2 weren't... They were probably good, but I wonder if they were good enough to warrant a sequel because it's... They were doing, like, one Injustice, then Mortal Kombat. Injustice, mm-hmm. then Mortal Kombat. That was their whole deal. And now mm-hmm. it's they went from Mortal Kombat 11 and they just kind of silently announced Mortal Kombat 12. Some people were like, where's Injustice? But, like, yeah. I guess it's just not... They're just not doing it right now. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this was uh, this is a great image. I love it. Uh, so Brainiac appears in front of Supergirl and offers her a deal. This sequence to be delicately thought as they are meeting for the first time since her escape from him. If Supergirl agrees to marry him, uh, he okay. Yeah, if Supergirl agrees to marry him, he will stop affecting Superman's personality. If she doesn't, he will bring Superman to the utmost state of total evil madness. Uh, <laughs> Supergirl's reaction is one of despair, sufferance, and confusion as she still uh, feels a daughterly love for Brainiac. But seeing that the evil genius has lost all control through his passion for her, she decides to play along with him to find a way to discover a weakness. Brainiac's Achilles heel, uh, you know, basically find Brainiac's Achilles heel and follow him to his castle. Superman, meanwhile, being released from Brainiac's hold, Supergirl still playing time with Brainiac, is searching desperately for Supergirl as for some reason she has disappeared from the face of the earth. While flying in his search for Supergirl, Superman suddenly encounters the final bombshell I'm going to land on you, Andrew, Mr. Mixius Spitlick. Oh, my God. small little man. It's gotten better already. (laughs) So I'm showing... This is art from (laughs) Wilfredo Torres, uh, who does the Superman 78 comic, and this is his mock-up of his casting for Mr. Mr. Mixius Spitlick, Robin Williams, which is... Would have been great. Williams was friends with Reeve. They went to Juilliard together, I think. So... Oh, Oh, they... Dude, they... Williams, they were what, roommates for a bit, right? Like they weren't just friends; they mm-hmm. really knew each other. Along this with was, Kevin Conroy, <laughs> yeah. So. I think Reeves Reeve came from money. He was mm-hmm. real waspy, you know. He had he came from a lot of money, apparently. I mean, he flew planes for fun. I know you don't have to be super rich for that, but you know, he was in the in the mix with that. He was he was probably somewhat rich already. And mm-hmm. Robin Williams said something like he couldn't. Uh, he didn't. He didn't feel like he had enough money to even be Reeves's roommate. 
because he couldn't afford even a percentage of that rent. Mm-hmm. You know, because <laughs> Reeves is a good guy. Obviously, we all know that. But, uh, you know, he was never too poor at the same time, it seems yeah. like, you know. No, it, it, it seems like one of those friendships that <clears throat> happened behind the, behind the scenes and in real life that we unfortunately never really got to see uh, them encounter each other on the big screen, you know, and unfortunately we don't have a movie to, to go back to, at least not one that I know of. Um, so this could have been you know, really you, cool. You know, what's you know, what's really like, I always thought was interesting about this too, is Reeves, Reeve pretty much kind of felt like he was more or less internally stable, you know, very mm-hmm. good, good pick for Superman, of course. Right. He mm-hmm. didn't seem to have like anywhere near the demons Williams had. Williams mm-hmm. just had, kind of a lot going on internally as we all know yeah. uh and never really got over it so um yeah it's, it's just like they were just total opposites in that way yeah uh, that, that's that's why it's an interesting interesting friendship and apparently you know there's the story that you know when reeve was in the hospital after that big accident where he was paralyzed williams was the one who was the first one to cheer him up when he, he came in as patch adams I don't know about a patch on him specifically, but uh, some form of some form of that and him cheering him up in a hospital setting. So, yeah. Dude, okay, so I was getting into movies as a kid, and I mean we all we all were right, especially people listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. But like, we see Patch Adams in the theater. I saw that shit in the theater. Mm-hmm. I go home and some even the internet or I know my mom had a subscription to Entertainment Weekly also, so. Maybe it was Entertainment Weekly, but I read the I go to read the review for Patch Adams. <laughs> dude, Ebert hated this fucking movie, dude. Oh, he was like, did. he was like, you can't heal somebody by making them smile. You got, <laughs> you got to give them actual fucking medicine. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, the point of this movie just went over you, but at the same time, yeah. the point the point of the movie is dumb as fuck. So yeah. there is that. No offense to R.I.P. Robin Williams and all that, but that movie wasn't that good, man. Well, wasn't like, it also based off of true? Like, isn't Patch Adams a real guy? Maybe I'm wrong on this. It might, it might have been, but like, just, <clears throat> I don't know. I didn't see the movie. I don't remember. So, that movie was like straight it. up not good. And then there was that other one where <laughs> Robin Williams goes to hell, and that one was terrible well, too. Robin Williams was what dreams may come, dude. There was just he was on a fucking tear for a while doing it was some not great, yeah. Not great movies, dude. It had cool visuals. Anyway, real quick, dude. Mixter, Mr. Mixia Spitlick, who, other than Larry David, is there anybody <laughs> you would cast? Oh, man. <clears throat> right now. Back to you on that one. James Gunn, boom, Superman Legacy. Mixia Spitlick's in this fucking movie. I mean, he what, would probably. Who are we casting? That would, that would, ooh. Maybe somebody Gunn's worked with then. So if we were to go down the line, in terms of people who got oh, dude, it, who could be if a it was Michael Rooker, dude, <laughs> <laughs> he has a southern accent. I mean, why the fuck not? <laughs> this makes it spit like in a way you've never seen. <laughs> He's got a mohawk too this time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a different color this time, but it's still. <laughs> He's just kind of bringing people over wholesale. <laughs> oh, dude! That Let was no. You're a fan cast from Mr. Mixia Spitlick. If if uh, Mixia Spitlick was in Superman Legacy, it's a character who hasn't been in the live action movies, at least theatrical movies before. 
So or, or uh, <clears throat> Jerry Seinfeld or something. That'd be funny to finally get him in a because he's a, a huge Superman fan of thing. Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, know. look if you if you look at like the you know Mister 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 Spitalix and some sometimes like made fun of and look, sure look at his name look at his overall look look at all that mm-hmm. I get it but like I always thought and there's probably you know I haven't read I want to read more please actually comment down below if you know of like kind of more serious or just not totally goofy Mr. Mixed Spitalik stories. I'd like to read them. I like to read the goofy ones too, but mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen those before. But if you want to, like a non-goofy version of this kind of thing is the Q episodes on Star Trek on, yep. on Next Generation. Um, and it's like, it's like kind of the same thing. So uh, I feel like if they did like a Q kind of thing, actually, if it was that actor, <laughs> yeah, I, was just I forget his, John bring him. Yeah, bring him over. He showed up in Breaking Bad out of nowhere, and I was like, holy fuck, it's Q. I also saw he was the voice of Brainiac in Justice League Action, the cartoon series. So, oh, that's uh, that's awesome. He was, good. he was a good Brainiac. But yeah, Mr. Mixon Spitlick could be a good choice uh, for him to do the voice of in uh, in a future cartoon, too. So, oh, yeah. hell yeah. It's, a, it's like the same thing. It's it's a very, <laughs> yeah. very similar vibe. It was probably inspired by Mixon Spitlick in some way. So I could see that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Salkind writes in parentheses, there should be, of course, some explanation, some sort of explanation with regard to Mr. Mix's Spitlick. It's like, let's <laughs> add in this imp from a four- <laughs> fifth dimension. <laughs> Notice we went from, like, Lex Luthor, you know, very much of Earth, whatever, doesn't need a ton of explanation. Then, like, General Zod and the other criminals, okay, they're from Krypton. Supergirl, also from Krypton. But now we got, like, Brainiac's planet, and we got Mr. Mix's Spitlick in this, so... I mean, uh, you know, it's he's a famous villain. I mean, is he even a villain? He's he's at least an antagonist, mm-hmm. and like uh, I think, I mean, I'd love to see him in a movie. And I, I think he's, I think you could say he's. If you let's just say he's a villain, just to just to yeah. say he's a villain. Like I feel like he's one of. I mean, he's one of the most famous and one of the most popular Superman villains, probably right. Like. He's he's kind of up there, I think. People remember him because he's it's like no rules. It's so wacky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's also a factor where there's something because it feels like uncharted territory. There's something more exciting about him than if they yeah. did, you know, Zod again or Brainiac even because Brainiac's another alien. You know, it's just like okay, this guy's not an alien. There's magic involved. You also can't just like punch him. You know, you gotta oh, yeah. think this guy. So the, it's it's stuff that you're not used to seeing with Superman in at least the current movies or the movies that we've seen so far where he's just basically saving people and punching aliens. You know, this one is, is something that's, it's a different type of threat. And that's why it would be interesting, especially if you have, you know, a, a good solid pick or solid actor for that who's just like the right amount of silly and deadly at the same time. I think so. I don't know how you make him menacing. Maybe he's just overly playful or something, but uh, yeah. Probably I think- through his actions. You know, like the, the things that he can do, the disasters he can cause, like that type of stuff. And he just doesn't care about humans, you know, like he just sees them as little ants, mm-hmm. which would piss off Superman, of course. So, yeah, I mean, like people say Superman's too powered, but I mean, look at this guy. This guy is insane, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so this would have been 
This would have been a great matchup here. Uh, then we see Superman trying to save the world from Mr. Mixia Spitlick's deadly jokes, which can kill hundreds of thousands of people. So again, just automatic establishment of the threat. Uh, this new right. invincible enemy doesn't permit Superman to have time to be Clark Kent anymore. Uh, during this period back at the Daily Planet, Perry, Lana, and Jimmy are worried about the whereabouts of Clark Kent and try to find out the last time anyone saw or heard of him. Assuming that Clark Kent, because of his exclusive articles, is often where Superman is, Perry, still puzzled by Clark Kent's behavior, sends off Lana and Jimmy to Europe, where they know Superman is fighting with Mr. Mixie Spitlick. Uh, Superman finds a way to send Mr. Mixie Spitlick back to his galaxy slash universe by making him say his name backwards. With <laughs> Mr. So that's the end of Mr. Mixie Spitlick so far. Uh, with Mr. Mixie Spitlick out of the way, Superman can continue to search for Supergirl. Meanwhile, Brainiac, having prepared everything for his return to his own planet along with Supergirl, who in the meantime is desperately trying to find a solution, is, at the moment of leaving, interrupted by Superman's arrival. He has found them. Before Brainiac has a chance to activate the controls, which would affect Superman's personality, there is a tremendous confrontation where we discover that Brainiac's powers are much stronger than those of Superman. Brainiac now also realizes that Supergirl has contacted uh, Superman with her X-ray vision so that he could come to her rescue. I don't know how that works. How do you contact somebody with x-ray vision? Maybe I'm wrong here. Uh, uh, contacts are with x-ray vision. He has to send a message via his vision? <laughs> I don't... Well, also, Supergirl contacted Superman with her x-ray vision, so she sent him a message. I don't know. So, so Again, so kind of oh, like cocaine vision. So he has to be doing something only an x-ray would see? <laughs> I don't know. You know what, dude, just before we started recording this podcast here today, yeah. uh, I was reading the John Kent Superman, mm-hmm. the new one, and yeah. I'm not too far in, no spoilers, please, but like, uh, they do talk, Superman and John talk to each other in a, they use their voice though, but in a frequency humans can't hear, See, which I thought was cool. Yeah. It should be something like that. So that's what yeah. that's what Sal kind of meant <laughs> at this point, because this X-ray thing doesn't make any sense. Uh, but yeah, Brainiac you know, it was just the cocaine <laughs> get talking to him. You know, Brainiac figures out Supergirl contacted Superman, and that confirms that Supergirl loves Superman and not Brainiac. Brainiac then immobilizes Superman in one of his energy cages. Brainiac then, with Supergirl, activates his elaborate machinery, which takes them into the past, into the era of nobles and serfs. So we got time travel with this shit, too, right? After Mr. Mix's Spitlick. We already had had time travel in the first one, didn't we? Uh, Technically, yes, but even more so here. You know, like it's not a one time thing now. He actually, Brainiac now has a time machine. So Brainiac is, of course, a ruthless tyrant with the serfs, uh, S E R. FS from medieval times, not surf, surfing. Uh, <laughs> He's not he also, hanging 10 over here. <laughs> he is also always reminding Silver Girl that if she does not follow him willingly, he will activate the personality machine through the time lapse and destroy Superman. So this guy means business okay. uh, at this point. So yeah, he's in this sort of castle, which uh, I think Dan photoshopped this. This is the Brainiac from uh, the Krypton show uh, in a medieval setting. So now he's a tyrant in this medieval setting. <laughs> Uh, at this point. So, uh, back at Brainiac's castle in 1981, Jimmy and Lana, while still looking for Clark, are able to free Superman, who made them find the castle with the help of his super voice. Okay, so that makes Super sense. voice helps yeah. you find a castle? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he said something, and for some somehow they were able to hear. That's the best that I got. 
Okay, great. Uh, at once, Superman takes Lana and Jimmy under his cape and follows Brainiac into the past, landing in the same province as Brainiac and Supergirl. We will have gathered by now that Supergirl has been able to postpone her departure with Brainiac, which, of course, infuriates him so much that he cannot rest in peace while Superman is still alive. Brainiac decides that he will remain on Earth until he kills Superman and starts preparing his trap. We then cut to Superman, Jimmy, and Lana arriving in the town in surf disguise. Again, S-E-R-F, not in surfer disguise. Uh, learning all about <laughs> Brainiac, his reign of terror, where he lives, and what he and Supergirl have been up to. They arrive at the castle, and Brainiac cleverly takes Jimmy and Lana as hostages, and having become totally insane of jealousy, decides to activate the personality machine at its utmost power, regardless of Supergirl's pleads. So now, shit's going down. However, okay. the love between Superman and Supergirl is so strong that the combination of their powers enables them to resist the deadly powers of the machine. This gives what, they Superman like, the hug chance. real hard and they're able to I withstand guess. the forces uh, of I evil? It's the power of love type of thing that, that helps them overcome being uh, taken over by this machine, I guess. They should just that like hold hands and do the Care Bear stare. <laughs> And have, like, so. love beams come out of the <laughs> S, S shield. Why not at this point? Yes. Uh, let's give Superman the chance to escape, leaving Supergirl, Jimmy, and Lana at the mercy of Brainiac. So he's got to figure out a way to get them out. So who's he going to turn to? Supergirl's taken hostage. Lana and Jimmy are also hostage. Who's he going to turn to? So he zooms into the future and finds Mr. Mixia Spitlick. He's back and agrees on a deal with him so that he will help. So Superman is now teaming up with Mixus Spitlick to help rescue Supergirl, Lana, and Jimmy from Brainiac. Uh, okay. They both reappear, and Mixus Spitlick, with his awesome power, sends the whole town into another dimension where neither Superman nor Supergirl nor Brainiac have any powers. Instead, they fight as two ancient knights in armor, horses, lances, etc. <laughs> <laughs> with Supergirl. Fucking Saul kind. He just <laughs> loves this shit. We already got a castle in this shit, so why not, I guess. I want a medieval Superman script. Does so. he have to fly? <laughs> it's like John Peters. It's, yeah. I'd Supergirl. rather them just f- fight like knights. <laughs> I want to make a King Arthur fly. movie, but with Superman. Uh, uh, yeah, I've really been wanting to make this <laughs> medieval, medieval picture. So Supergirl hands over her white scarf to Superman, the white knight. And the black scarf being handed to Brainiac, the Black Knight, by Lana, who, so, not ever having had superpowers, is still under the effect of Brainiac's power. So this knight picture, though, <laughs> is pretty badass. I gotta say. Yeah, thank you, Dan, for this. We were going through different possibilities, but I think this is from the Dark Knight's Metal uh, storyline. I could be wrong. On I that. gotta read that fucking shit. You think I, like would, of would all people? Something. Yeah, you would be. <laughs> That's your. Why shit. the fuck have I not read this? It's... <laughs> You know, I, I lose sleep over it every. I lose sleep oh, over it every Dark night. Of Steel. Dark Knights of Steel. Dark Knights Still. of Steel. There, there was like a speed metal. There was all kinds of metal. I gotta say, even though I haven't read it, thank you DC for making that. That's really yeah. cool. So we're on the last. <laughs> doesn't page. mean anything if I don't fucking pay you though, does it? <laughs> Give us your money, sucker. We're on <laughs> Infinite. We're on DC Infinite. That's true. Giving too. you some money. Yeah. Uh, so we're on the final page of the streaming. <laughs> Superman oh, we're fucking wins. knights at this point. <laughs> is Brainiac wins. also a knight? Yeah, he's the Black Knight, and Superman is the White Knight. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So they just have a fucking a... like knight's tail kind of fucking. Uh, exactly. Is it? It's a, like a with a lance or with a sword? I think so. It says uh, with horses and lances. So I think they're on the yeah this jousting. Okay. 
It's a, jo- a joust, I mean. It's a joust. Yeah, it's, it's a joust. I mean, that's one way. That's one of the things. That's my biggest problem with pitching Brainiac after Zod, which is why I'm like, I don't like the idea of Brainiac as the Man of Steel 2 villain because it's just like, okay, we already had another alien, so he's going to invade Metropolis again. We're going to have more fights in Metropolis again. Like, you have to do Kandor. Or you have to do it on Brainiac's planet of Kolu. you got to do... Mongol and War World. You got to do something else besides another fucking alien invasion, especially because Cavill had already gone through another one, another alien invasion with Justice League. So, like, people, it's, yeah, it seemed like it was not the choice to go with. People really want Brainiac, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this with Superman Legacy. Uh, watch this be announced by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> I but, 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 I know, but like, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again, and I agree with you, Ben. I'm not the biggest Brainiac fan. Please post below what you think are the best Brainiac stories. I've read Jeff Johns as people say that's the best one. Like it was fine. Just like as a character, I don't, I don't vibe with them. I like, I like the Borg in Star Trek, another Star Trek reference this episode, but I like the Borg more than Brainiac. I feel like it's just, I don't know why it's done better. It's because Picard becomes the Borg and, I am Locutus or whatever. Like, I think, I mean, it would be so similar to Star Trek, but like if he became part of Brainiac for a bit or something, I mean, Next yeah. Generation is 35 fucking years old at this point. So or that's what they rinse. do with Supergirl, you know, like with something like that version of, of this script. Something like that. That's that's the only way it would be different from fucking Zod and shit. And the other thing, too, like a lot of times Brainiac, like a, like the Borg, He's just so computer-like. It's so such a cold villain. You know, there's no there's no passion in the villain. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I feel like there should be... I mean, fuck, look at Jonathan Majors as Kang and Ant-Man. Even Ant-Man 3, you know, like, that's a, there's a lot of passion, a lot of evil passion there. You know what I mean? Like, there's... What do you think? He's a robot. So there's not going to be passion, yeah. which is already going to the performance is going to have to be from how cold he is, you know, like this is more of, it's going to be less Heisenberg, more Gus Fring, you know, if we're going to go yes. through breaking bad references on this, which would be cool. You know, it, it's, I'm not saying it needs to be uh, Giancarlo Esposito because frankly, he's too typecast as Gus whenever they play him as a villain at this point. Yeah. But yeah. I'd say if you're going to do Brainiac, like, and have that type of personality, like you got to make him terrifying. Um, that, that coldness, terrifying. Yeah, in some way. So that's, I think it can still work, but like, again, like it's, you got to do Candor then. You got to do something else because we already got, we got enough alien invasion movies with Superman that you got to find some other way to make it uh, distinct and not just another him punching another alien in a super fight. The, the assimilation thing too. I mean, that's what he's doing, right? He is, it isn't like that Brainiac's deal a lot of the time. He's, he's a collector of the different, uh, you know, planets and cities and stuff. Yeah, it just collects like yeah, Candor and everything like that. So I don't know. It's it's still kind of. I wonder if like the writers on um, Star Trek like the got the idea. Superman fans. They got the idea from the Borg from from Brainiac. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe could also. I mean, I see some Doctor Who Cyberman type stuff in that too. But oh right, I'm not. A, I'm not too. too. I know you're a big Whovian, but I'm. They, I'm. I'm not like the biggest. I haven't. They've assimilated. They do a similar thing where they assimilate other people into being one of them. That type of thing. Okay. Okay. So that that could be more of the precedent for it than than Brainiac. But anyway, let us know. 
um, what yeah. what are the best Brainiac stories or, or what makes him such a compelling villain to you personally? Because, I, I mean, I like him, but he's not, like, there's nothing as exciting about him compared to, like, if they if they announce it's Mr. Mix's Spitlick in the gun Superman legacy thing, I'm just like, this is fucking insane, but I'm there. You know, oh, I'm so there, different. dude. You know? So different. Like, God, it's, it sucks that Godfrey's no longer with us. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, God, oh, yeah, that would have been perfect. That I was some of the most, action. <laughs> most genius fucking casting in yeah uh, in voice acting ever, man. Yeah, those are my favorite episodes. I think of that whole that whole fucking series, so dude. Fucking perfect. Yeah, the Godfrey Misjek Spitlick episodes. It was like one or two of them. Yeah. At any rate, oh, yeah. Man. Let us sell yeah. sell us on Brainiac in the comments, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superman wins the duel, the jousting duel, and with the help of Mr. Mix's Spitlick, they all go back to 1981, leaving behind the, basically leaving behind Brainiac as a humiliated and destroyed powerless man in the past dimension. All seems happy, but Mix's Spitlick does not respect his deal with Superman and masterminds the biggest catastrophe of them all. That's right, Mix's Spitlick is the big final boss in Superman 3, the treatment. So, I kind of uh, like this. This is cool, yeah. Mix, Mixes Spitlick stops time, and only he, Superman, and Supergirl can move through the paralyzed street. He then breaks up the streets and the people into a gigantic puzzle and gives Superman one minute to put the puzzle together. If not, he will send the unfinished puzzle and all the people to the planet Mercury. Obviously, this is more exciting <laughs> Mercury. than Mercury. That's stuff. instant death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That he's going to kill them. But that's what makes him yeah. threatening, is that, yeah, he looks like a, he looks like somebody you wouldn't take seriously until he... he is willing to kill thousands of people. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Superman is able, with a little help from Supergirl, to save the millions of innocents and send Mr. Mr. Mixer Spitlick back to where he comes from. Metropolis then learns that all the strange behavior of Superman slash Clark Kent was caused by Brainiac. The next big question, does Superman marry Supergirl in Superman 3 or Superman 4? That's what he Incest. writes in this fucking thing? That's what he writes. P.S. Wait, wait, wait. I missed. How does he defeat Mr. Mixus Spitlick? It just says they managed to save the millions of innocents and send Mr. Mixus Spitlick back to where he comes from. So basically. Okay, it's like, uh, we'll figure it out later. We'll figure it out. It's a treatment. It's Again, yeah. I'm just going to read this this final passage here to, to set the tone of what we're about to go into, which is, he says, <laughs> P.S. Obviously, this is a most simple, undocumented storyline, and all the facts, interrelations between characters are just hinted at. It is mainly an indication of all the possibilities that we have using the different characters. So, yes, it's leaked online. Yes, it's something that we're making fun of. But it's really just, like, something that he probably whipped up in, like, a day, maybe even less than an hour on, like, eh, like, this could be a possibility using the characters that we have the rights to. Like, this is not as serious of a thing. Um, it's just... It's just hard not to make fun of certain parts of it, knowing that we know now. But it is, it, it's more of a germ of an idea compared to some of the other, like, actual scripts we've gone over, like the Puzo one, where, like, that's an 100%. actual script that was written. This so, eight pages can be written in under an hour. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know? So, so I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine, Salkind. Yep. That is Superman 3, the Salkind treatment. It is better than the final film. Even with grooming Brainiac and incest, not really incest though, but still, like it, it's it's got Mister Mixer Spitlake and an awesome thing. It's it's it is a use of the actual comic book characters that they have because after Superman two, it's like I'll tell you, basically the Superman characters in Superman three, the only new comic book character they introduce is Lana Lang. 
None Great. of the villains are comic book characters. Uh, that's that's about it. And then Superman four, it was Lex Luthor again. So oh, wonderful. Yeah, this they actually would have taken advantage of having Brainiac, having Supergirl, having uh, Mixia Spitlick. You know, Lana has is basically a Lois replacement in this one. They took more advantage of her background with Clark in in the final movie, but uh, at least it's it's kind of cool to see Brainiac and Mixia Spitlick in this. Uh, because it, it seemed like at, at a time where they weren't even on the table, but in fact they were, or at least they were, uh, you know, kind of considering them at some point. Mm-hmm. So, your thoughts on this version of Superman three? You know, we made fun of it a lot, but the the third act with Mister Mix Spitalik and like kind of ramping it up was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah kind of a last boss kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So I like that, and it seems like Supergirl is a huge part in this, or at yeah. least was going to have, and that's cool. Where you know there was there's you know there's a lot of good kernels of ideas here. It just didn't evolve the way it should have, and it's going to be interesting to see how hopefully, knock on wood, that uh, Gun gets this right and to see see DC actually kind of get a lot of things right going forward and mm-hmm. and to, to compare it to how much they've they got it wrong with movies like this <laughs> the, the, <laughs> you know superman 3 yeah so uh if you want to hear an audio version of this our friends at newverse creative did a the original superman 3 audio story uh audio version of this with as you can see a uh Christopher Reeve in a knight in shining armor outfit to reflect uh, what happens in the third act here. So that's pretty cool. Check that out. Uh, Nuverse created creative uh, Nuverse spelled N E U V E R S E. And uh, there might be some upcoming audios from there with some familiar names on that. Well, so uh, stay tuned for that. But that's a cool yes. Photoshop too. And Reeve does look pretty cool as a knight. Yeah, he does. Doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. this is awesome. This is an awesome representation of it. So, uh, yeah, with that, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to Dan for putting together the visuals on this, and we're going to go forward into the fan comments that I gathered all from Captain Planet, because yeah, we could use more love for that, and also because uh, a lot of you had some good ideas to contribute to that pitch. Uh, yes. So I know you've read some of these, Andrew, but I'll just... Yes. Uh, share them for the audience, and we can go over them. So Lou Productions says, listen to the episode and really enjoyed a lot of the ideas. If you would like to introduce Captain Planet a little earlier, I felt like when the Planeteers were learning to use their rings, they could have possibly called upon him then. Since you guys wanted to show the Planeteers connect as both a team and spiritually as well, you could have it to where Captain Planet is summoned, but he is not nearly as strong as he can be. Show it as, I wish I could think of another analog, that they blew their load too soon. (laughs) amazing yeah uh, also we could use this time to show that captain planet's weakness is pollution when the knockout gas comes and takes out the planeteers then captain planet can dissipate and disappear back into the rings because he is also affected by the gas that way when he is called again and the team is fully in sync captain planet is now at full power and by the time captain pollution is called we already established that captain planet's weakness is pollution if you don't like the idea i tried if you do you're welcome lol i think we like this i like it yeah you like yeah. it too huh uh, I do, I do. I think, like I was saying in the episode, I'm like it, the the producer is going to want to put Captain Planet as early as possible in this movie, 
despite what the mythology might be or what the how the show used to be. Yeah, they're trying to appeal yeah. to people who might like vaguely remember the show but aren't going to remember the specific mythology. They're going to get people who want to see Glenn Powell in that outfit and, and the you know the skin, the green hair, and all that stuff as soon as possible. So I could see this uh, working out. I think it's great. Yeah, and I, I love how you worked it into what we already had in the pitch where we have the gas come in, the noxious gas, and maybe like they pass out and they don't even know what happened to Captain Planet. They don't, I don't know. Maybe they don't know if he went back into the rings because they passed out so early, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But yeah, it, it sends Captain Planet back into the rings mm-hmm. and uh, until later. Um, so I think at that point though, we would have to figure out how they don't just call on him like every time. <laughs> like <laughs> maybe, we would have to figure that out in an, in, in another draft, but it, it is a good way to, uh, you know, get Captain Planet in there as soon as possible because we do want to see him like wreck shop and, well, mm-hmm. you know, be a be the force for good that he is. Um, I think my original idea with Stefan was to like really build that catharsis up until the, the third act, but. Yeah, I could see why we need to just get to him immediately. We just got to make it to where, or maybe we maybe we make a joke out of it, or, and but also address the issue somehow in the script of how, uh, you know, they can't just call him in every time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in the cartoon, you know, unless I I haven't seen every episode, and if I was actually Ben, if you and I were actually tasked, mainly you, but I was there as support emotional support like to write this <laughs> to write this script mm-hmm. we definitely would have to like sit down and watch every fucking episode like if we really had oh, yeah. to d- d- do this uh, I, I, I wouldn't start until i finished the entire series the entire thing so, there's only yeah, like I, five seasons or something see the yeah. whole thing on a weekend then start writing so for our episode we didn't do that we just watched literally one episode Stefan and i did <laughs> And then checked out other materials in the in the Captain Planet wiki and shit. So there's our you know that's how the sausage was made on that episode. But but um, but, but yeah, if we were getting more serious with it, we'd watch all of them. What was my point here? Uh, I was headed uh, to Captain some sort Planet. of point. Yeah, yeah Captain Cap- Planet oh. showing up at the end. Yeah, we would have Captain Planet. Anyway, we'd show up. Oh, yeah, but in the show, he fucking. Uh, he literally is just a deus ex machina, they call, every time. And it works because it's a Saturday morning cartoon. Like, no one was really wanting the deepest thing in the world from this. Mm-hmm. Like, Captain Planet has some personality, but we don't really know his story. It, the story is about the kids, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And that would be well reflected in the movie that we would make. But it would be cool to also develop the mythology and the personality of captain planet as well uh that would be actually cool but still the focus should ultimately be on the planeteers and uh hopefully we don't have them like literally call on a deus ex machina every movie in every right. battle you know yeah the, com- the comparison that i can make to it is mission impossible funny enough and i'll explain why is that in the original mission impossible 60s series it wasn't about crazy stunts. It would, the, it, if, if it ended in a shootout, it means the team failed. The point of Mission Impossible was almost like a group of people who kind of conned the villain into screwing himself over. 
and they leave at the end making a clean getaway with the villain not knowing what the hell happened and why he messed up. Now, obviously, when it comes to big blockbuster movies of Mission Impossible, uh, they can't do that, especially when the stories that people are used to are like less than an hour long, right? So uh, the conceit that happens, and you'll notice this too if you're a fan of the TV show, when you watch the Tom Cruise movies, they start out with, like, okay, here's the mission, but the mission always goes wrong. Why? Because it's a two-hour movie, not one right. episode of a TV show. So, like, they start with a mission, but because shit happens, uh, they can't just escape the way they do in the TV show, which then leads to the rest of the movie of them trying to figure shit out and then into all the other action sequences and all that shit. Like, that's what... That's how they're able to translate that. So when it comes to this, I'm just like, okay, well... Maybe it's a similar thing where, like, they bring in Captain Planet, but he's not the day ex machina anymore. They thought he was. He was supposed to be. But something happens either due to the fact that, I mean, it could really just be as simple as this is a very polluted environment, just sort of the dystopian world that you've created. And so right. like, he's, just That's not good. At his, at his, he's just not at his most powerful. And so That's he good. can't be the day ex machina. That is and, good. And so he actually kind of surprisingly even by gas or not gas gets kind of knocked out pretty easily and we're like well what the fuck but we do have to have him kick ass in that third act yeah <laughs> but- yeah but that, that, that's a catharsis is him able to kick ass in the third act the way that you remember from the tv show it's just like he he needs the time to build up he's also been dormant for so long you know like it, it's also partially kind of an origin thing for for him or maybe he t- it, it's due to you know his power he's only so powerful due to what's been going on so you know, that'll explain why he's there and then it'll be, it'll pay off more when he's at full power at the end. Like, if, that's yeah, it. that's true. Cause if Gaia is weakened so much, then Captain Planet, he would be too. Probably as yeah. well, right? They're kind of ethereally connected. So, mm-hmm. man, Jono Matt, dude, we're waiting on that email. <laughs> you know, just yep. let us, we'll want to have a lunch, you know, we'll meet in Burbank. It's cool. So Slight Rebellion off Madison has a similar comment saying, as an aspiring screenwriter and someone who grew up watching Captain Planet, this was fun to watch. I agree with Ben that no producer would have Captain Planet just show up at the end. The best compromise is to have him show up in a prologue set in the distant past, then have him return at the one hour mark, maybe get wounded because there's so much pollution in the modern world. See, like these guys are all agreeing with us. Uh, We're on the same accord, yeah. Die, yeah, and then he gets resurrected in the climax. So yeah, I think think universally everyone's like, yeah, bring him in earlier, but he's not super powerful. Pollution is weakening him, but like he's still able to kick ass at the end. Like that type of thing. 100%. Like in the cartoon, when he fights Captain Pollution, he's... Mm -hmm. He literally like drags him through uh, like clear ocean waters, and that's painful for pollution. And then drags him through all this shit. That's it's like really kind of hardcore for that kind of cartoon of that era. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a taste of your own medicine, <laughs> and it would be that'd be kind of would be kind of cool as cool. well. But yeah, if we yeah. Could, if we brought him in earlier, that would be pretty fucking sweet, man. Yeah, I, I I agree. I agree with that. Like in our second pass for the for the beats of that story, we, that's probably what we would have done we were just that was our idea at the time and we're of course open to updating what we had (laughs) thank you guys for the comments thank you uh we got one more from captain planet on something different uh jp font says i'm going to be brutally honest (laughs) when first i saw that captain planet was the vid of this week it really bumped me out well i was wrong (laughs) Uh (laughs) yes i read this one yeah uh, some ideas came to me from listening to this. Gaia as Mother Earth should be more concerned with the well-being of the planet as a whole. 
for her humanity can get bent at this point because the Planeteers are in Gaia's estimation humanity's last act at redemption. Zarn is the Zarm is the driving force that represents mankind. Having taken them from the Stone Age to the stars, it has never looked back. Think Prometheus building towards the future without the forethought for the risks involved. The AI is Zarm's deep fake, and the scientists are its planeteers. I guess JP's going off of my idea that maybe the AI is actually not the real Zarm. It's just making people think it's an AI. Um, that's a hell of that's a hell of a it's it's great. I mean the the Zarm or the AI is Zarm's deep fake. That's great. Yeah. What was the next part he said? Uh, and that the scientists who I guess are around the AI are its planeteers, like the AI's planeteers. Okay, yeah, they use the rings of destruction. Yeah, I think that's what he what he means. Uh, okay, no, yeah. I, I I think that's great too. I think our original idea was just <clears throat> like, I guess it's maybe there's something wrong fundamentally with this. I guess now that I think about it, but any, anyway, it was like it was man's the culmination of man's technology led to something that was the most unnatural, which was this kind of evil AI, a.k.a. Zarm. And that was our kind of modern take on it. Uh, just to kind of differentiate Zarm from Gaia further, because it, it seemed like in the show, Zarm is ethereal, just very much in the same way Gaia is, which would be cool... Also, if we were to go back to the source material and do that and just mm -hmm. forget the AI thing, if we went that angle, and then maybe we would have in a prologue of Zarm winning, and maybe that's why Gaia gets so weakened for so long or something. Yeah. Which leads to man, I guess almost becomes ancient aliens kind of shit, but anyway, yeah. it leads to man. The rise of Zarm. And the rise of the rise of technology that's very uh, anti nature, and I I was thinking too. I would like a line if like if we could not to force it, but like Captain Planet would say, "I'm not against technology. It's just the way yeah. you're doing it." You know, yeah. like some line like that would be really cool. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I, I love I love solar panels. You know, or some shit like <laughs> some shit like that. But you know, you know, uh, you're just fucking up, kids. Uh, <laughs> he says our Direct one line. fuck. <laughs> yeah, the PC PC thirteen's one fuck. Yeah, God, that'd be incredible. But uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, I I love all these comments, man. I I love this Captain Planet idea just because. It's such an unlikely thing, but it's the movie's getting more and more likely. I can feel it in my bones. Mm. Like the, DiCaprio is gonna announce something this year, dude. I, I bet you almost anything. We're looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. Last thing it says Gaia and Zarm are essentially the yin and yang forces continually opposed to each other. Yeah. So uh, awesome. JP, thank you for this. Thank you, everyone, for uh, the comments on that. And check out the Captain Planet episode if uh, you haven't seen it yet. Oh, yeah. On to the shout-outs. Oh, man. You know, we got some new people, you know what I'm saying? Or some mm -hmm. people that went away We're and turning. came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we want to thank Renee V, Braxton W, Sean E, or F. Sean F, sorry. What? Yeah. Sean F. Yeah, Sean F. And Decade W. That's decade VV. Um, and 
all the rest of our Patreon supporters as well, and our other supporters as well. And uh, we've told you about our friends, and now we'd like you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. And you will believe a podcast can fly. Fuck yeah. Yeah.